So today at the end of service, we are going to uh, take communion. You know, as I was just preparing, I was kind of preparing along those lines. And, and as I was studying, I ran across a verse that absolutely just grabbed my attention. No, in other words, as, as I was studying, I was going this way. And I read this one verse and it grabbed me so much, I, I shifted and went completely this way. And so I actually want to uh, start off with it. I was going to finish with it, but I think I want to start off with it. So we're going to start here. If you have your Bible, look at Second uh, Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to look at verse 11. This is the Apostle Paul. He's writing to the Corinthian church, and he is closing his letter in this portion of Scripture. And I want us to see kind of what he said here at the end. He said this. Look at verse 11. It says, finally, brethren, farewell. It says, become complete. That actually the word complete there means mature. It says, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. That's a great verse to underline. And then it says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Come on, somebody. Just for fun. I remember being in a church when I was a kid. There was this man that walked up to me. I was probably about nine years old, and he laid one on my cheek. Freaked me out. Anyways, I didn't go to church often, and that's not what I expected when I went to church. All right, so anyways, verse 13 says, all the saints greet you. So verse 14, here's the verse that grabbed my attention the other day. It says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, and here's the part, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, and the communion, can somebody say communion, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all, amen. So today what I want to talk to you about is the Holy Spirit, and to be more exact, communion with the Holy Spirit. So I want to start off by this, there's a man that was in our church in Louisiana, probably one of the most godliest men I've ever met, probably one of the most spirit-led men I've ever met. A few years ago, his name's Dr. Lynn Ulrich, and he is actually a psychologist by trade, but just pure man of God. The guy hears from Jesus like crazy. So anyways, he wrote a book a few years ago. I want to start off by reading a few things from uh, just kind of the introduction of his book. So hopefully you can follow along. He, this is what he wrote. He said, I believe many Christians hunger for more in their Christian walk, but are unsure of what they are missing and how to get it. He said, they desire greater intimacy with the Lord and know in their spirits that more is available to them, but just do not know how to obtain it. Anybody ever met somebody like that? Says they do not see or experience what they read about in the New Testament. Amen. It says they do not see or experience the power in their lives and see few answers to prayer. Then he says this. Please don't miss this. He says Satan has nothing to fear if he can prevent the church from stepping into its rightful inheritance in the Holy Spirit. It's a good place to say amen. It says Christians will continue to operate at a low level of the fruit of the Spirit, but will not function in the power of the Spirit, which is what changes individuals, families, Churches, communities, and even nations. Then he says this. says people are starving for something that reflects the power and the reality of God. In other words, people just want to know that God's real. Amen? So if I could add a thought to that, I would say this. Is I personally believe one of the things that hinders many good-hearted Christians uh, from enjoying the walk with God that they really desire is this. It's because they lack a clear scriptural understanding of the Holy Spirit. And because they lack clear understanding, they inevitably miss out on life-changing experiences with the Holy Spirit. Am I making sense to you today? 
Dr. Lynn goes on, he says this. He says, the Holy Spirit is arguably the least known and least understood person in the Trinity. It says, in fact, many Christians refer to him as it. it. says, they may know a lot about God the Father and Jesus the Son, but are hard-pressed to describe the Holy Spirit. They're hard-pressed to describe their relationship with him and even his relevance to contemporary Christian living. So I, I personally believe wholeheartedly with Dr. Lynn, uh, just based off my, my early experiences in the church. And in fact, I'll, I'll just say it like this. When I was 18 years old, I got plugged in in a church that was in Birmingham, a, a great church, wonderful church that was really doing a lot of things for God. But after being there for two years and being submitted to the leadership there in the school of ministry that was there, I realized that we talked a whole lot about the Father, the sovereignty of God, the, you know, the Father heart of God. And we talked a whole lot about the saving grace of Jesus, but the Holy Spirit was really relegated to a back corner. And, you know, once again, these were people that believed in the Spirit, were doctrinally sound, but for some reason, it was almost like that they, I just use the word again, relegated the Holy Spirit just to a few individuals in the church. And that was like, that was, that was the people that almost have permission to function and live like that. And everybody else, they kind of remained silent when it came to the Holy Spirit. And in fact, I remember even after I left that church and I went to another church as God moved me to go work at another place, I remember the choir singing a song and I want to, I want to pick on that part where it says many Christians refer to him as it. As it. I remember there was an old song and, you know, God bless America. But anyways, they used to, uh, Sing the song, send it on down, send it on down, Lord, let the Holy Ghost come on down. And I remember, you know, getting with that the first few times we sang it. Then one day I realized it was very unscriptural. And I realized, you know, the Holy Spirit wasn't in it. And in fact, uh, you know, even the part that they were saying, send him on down, he already came down. He, he stayed a while. So, so the whole song, once again, I'm not, I'm not dogging the song. I think, you know, obviously a, a great person that was trying to accomplish something for the kingdom wrote the thing. And so I'm not picking on them. But at the end of the day, it was not scripturally sound. And that comes from a, once again, a lack of understanding from a biblical perspective of the Holy Spirit. So anyways, so with all that, if you got your Bible this morning, I want you to turn to another passage. I just want you to see it in your own, in your own Bible. John chapter 14. John chapter 14. We'll look at two in our own Bible, then we'll pick up the pace. John 14. Look at verse 15. If you're there, say, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> John 14, 15. Trying to hold up for that because I hear pages. Here we go. This is Jesus talking. He said, if you love me, I'll add something here in the great says, you will keep my commandments. Verse 16 says, and I will pray to the Father, and he, talking about the Father, will give you another helper. Somebody say another helper. helper. Says that he may abide with you forever. Verse 17 says, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now flip over to chapter 16, look at verse 17. says, nevertheless, verse 17, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, somebody say helper. The helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. So listen, these few verses we see that Jesus gave us as believers an amazing promise. 
Amen. And the promise was simply this, that even though that Jesus was about to die on the cross as our substitute, even though he was about to defeat, uh, you know, the, the power of death through the resurrection, ultimately return to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, he gave us this promise that he would not leave us as orphans. Amen. That he would not leave us as orphans, that he would not leave us alone, that he would not leave us helpless, that he would not leave us to fend for ourselves. And to make sure that all that happened, that we weren't just left kind of fight this thing on our own, uh, he sent us to one that he called the helper, who's the Holy Spirit. So let's look at a few words here. I'm going to be kind of teachy here in the top part today. But the word helper, or you may, you may have heard it before, the Greek word is parakletos. The word helper simply means this. It means comforter. It means comforter. But the word helper also contains this, and it will be on the screen, but it, it contains the idea of one who is uh, called to one's side, one who is called to one's aid. It's one who is called to console, to encourage, to uplift, one who refreshes, one who intercedes on the behalf of another as an advocate. So watch this. So Jesus not only uh, you know, told us that he was going to send us a helper, but he also told us what kind of helper he was going to send us. And he, and he told us what kind when he used the word another helper. The word another means this. And this is from uh, John 15, verse 16. Here's what the word another means. It means another of the same kind, one like me, but not me. Don't miss that. Super powerful. One, another of the same kind, one like me, but not me. So here's the point that Jesus was trying to get across. He was trying to say to all of us that he, the Holy Spirit, uh, would do exactly what he would do if he was still physically present with us. You get that? That he, the Holy Spirit, that he will literally do in, in Jesus' absence what Jesus would do if he were still physically present or physically with us. In fact, let me give it to you in a simple way. That he will continue to, uh, to do the work that Jesus began. You get that? That's awesome. He will continue to do the work that Jesus began. And the reason this is so important is, watch this, that Jesus said a while ago, it is to your advantage. I cannot tell you how many people, and I've said it here before, that have said, you, you know, if I lived in the days when Jesus was walking the earth, then it would have been like this, and I could have saw this. But here's Jesus saying, uh, you're missing it. It is actually, you're in a, you know, I don't use this word often, but a greater dispensation, a greater period of time, because the Holy Spirit's now with you. Yeah. Amen? So, kind of on a side note here, this is basically Jesus' way of assuring us that the Holy Spirit has the same vision, the same heart, the same love, and the same care for us that Jesus does. You know, so often, you, you know, we've met people, and even I've myself wondered, okay, what's the Holy Spirit really like? And when you look at that, that another word there, ultimately what he's saying is, all I have to do is read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and watch the life of Jesus, and that's a great indicator who the Holy Spirit is and how the Holy Spirit operates, because they're one, uh, I was, you know, obviously they're one and the same, but at the same time, they're, um, get back and say what I need to say here. Anyways. They're one, they're one, they're like each other. Here we go. All right, moving on. Here we go. <laughs> Anyways, all right, so watch this. Kind of turn the corner. I don't know about you, but unfortunately, over the years, I have uh, personally witnessed, and I'll say many, many, many times, many, many, many Christians unknowingly make the mistake of dismissing the Holy Spirit's role in their lives by relegating him to a few things like this. They relegate him to some emotion that they feel, or they relegate him to a moment that those goosebumps run through their body. 
Or they relegate him to, to just some peaceful atmosphere in a church service or a specific worship style or maybe even a, a group of spiritual gifts or even a prayer language. And then, of course, there's those that we've all witnessed, churches and Christians that, uh, you know, have made the greatest mistake of all. They just ignore him completely. In fact, I, I have a, a book in my office that has a, a quote from an Episcopalian pastor, and I, I can't remember the guy's name, but he said this. He said that if, the, that if we remove the Holy Spirit from our churches, basically, I think he said, like 95% of what we do would go on as if nothing happened. That just tells you, though, how many people are just, they, they, once again, they go, they go through the functions of church, the, the, basically the dry traditions of it, because they never welcome the Holy Spirit in. Everything's just dry and it's passionless. And are you, are you all with me today? So watch this. You know, we know from Scripture, we also know from personal experience, that when the Holy Spirit touches you, your emotions are affected. Amen. And we know that we can feel him physically. We can feel his presence physically. And we also know that he can and he does change atmospheres. And we do know that that genuine worship uh, does usher in the presence of God or ushers us into the presence of God. Let me say it more accurate. And, and we do know that all spiritual gifts come from him. Is that true? So but listen, here, here's the main point I want to get to today is the Holy Spirit, even though those things that he's involved in, the Holy Spirit is not an experience. You're with me. And sometimes we, as good-hearted Christians, we can be guilty of viewing him as nothing more than an experience or encounter to be had. That he's here one moment and gone the next. And see, the problem is, is Jesus said that the helper was going to, that he was going to send to us will abide with us forever. Somebody say forever. forever. He's going to abide with us forever. So, so listen, he's got to be more than just an, an experience. Amen. Amen. So, all right. So, if he's more than an experience, more than an encounter, who is the Holy Spirit? Okay. Now, the most common, the most common response, and it's an accurate response when we talk about the Holy Spirit, is this: He is God. He is God. He is the third person. Somebody say person. Not not an energy force. Not an it. Not the third mystical being. But he is the third person of the trinity of the triune being of god amen so listen listen i don't want us to do this i don't want us to just go okay he is god and stop at that point because if we stop at that point honestly we're doing him a huge disjustice and the reason we're doing him a huge disjustice is because by saying that he is god is simply just revealing his title or his position it doesn't really tell us who he really is are y'all with me today so listen, so who is the Holy Spirit? The Bible tells us this, and this isn't to be some exhaustive list, but listen, the Holy Spirit, he is the one that convicts us of sin. He reveals Jesus to us. He draws us to the Father's heart. He makes us alive in Christ when we're born again. He takes our hearts of stone and gives us new hearts, hearts of flesh. He's the one that bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. He is the one that seals us for the day of redemption. He is the one that empowers us to live for God. He's the one that transforms us into the image of Jesus. He is our teacher. He is our guide, and he guides us into all truth, right? Listen, he covers us. He prays for us. He protects us. Us, he comforts us, he heals us, he delivers us, he gives us wisdom. And this, everybody say this, he, he speaks, speaks to, us. to us. He reminds us of all that Jesus said in his word. He even said this, he would show us of things to come. He even said this, that he would help us overcome every weakness, every obstacle, every fear. 
He answers our prayers. He calls us. He anoints us. He equips us to fulfill the God's purpose for our lives. And his nature is this. His nature is of love, of joy, of peace, of patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And if you don't know it today, he's eternal. He is unchanging. He is omnipresent. He is all-knowing. And he is all-powerful. And the greatest thing of all is he lives inside of us. Amen. It's good news. So watch this, though. Here's kind of what I want you to know today is all of that truth. It can do this. It can remain on the page of a book. Or it can be a reality that's in our lives. Are you with me? That can be simply just something that we see here and go up. That's good doctrine. That's good teaching. That's good theology. Or we can say, you know what, God, I want that to be a reality that invades my heart and invades my life. So which one do you think God wants it to be? Because here's the thing with people in churches that, you know, once again, that that you go, man, Holy Ghost, have you even visited there in a while? Right. Am I being I'm not trying to be mean there, but but it's this that they have good doctrine. But but it's this sense that that doctrine hasn't left from the here and dropped down to here and became a reality. Amen. So when we're sitting here talking about this, we know that God wants it to be reality because what we read a while ago in Second Corinthians. Let's read it again. It says this, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. I want to reiterate something. That God wants us to develop a communion, not with a feeling, not with an experience, but with the Holy Spirit as a person. Are you all with me today? So to kind of, to kind of give you... Kind of give you maybe an idea of what I want you to see here, maybe from him, is I don't want us to miss out that the Holy Spirit is really interested in us. He really cares about us. He really loves us. He is really, he is here for our benefit. He is here for our good. Amen? So there's this piece that, you know, it's once again, it's, it's, it's this disconnect that he's some uh, mystical energy ball that's somewhere just in the cosmos when that's not what Jesus said at all, he is in us and he wants to be really, really, really personal with us. Amen. And it's kind of like this. And this may sound like I'm trying to humanize him, but I'm not. But watch this. As humans, all of us like as, as people, as a person, we like to be loved. We like to be adored. We like to be uh, praised, if you will. We, we, we like to be interacted with. He's the same way. Yes. So watch this. The word communion here, the word communion means this. It means communicating with, and the second part is the part I really like, or traveling together. When we talk about communion with the Holy Spirit, communicating with him, yes, interacting with him, talking to him, but traveling together. And I'm going to use the language that we use a lot of times as far as community around here. But in essence, what he's saying is, is God is encouraging us to do life with the Holy Spirit. That he wants us to do life with the Holy Spirit. Not moments, not experiences, but he wants us to do life with the Holy Spirit. Let me kind of give you a word picture. Um, Stephen, come here, son. Come on, man. Listen, I, I want you to imagine, Stephen, if I, if I invited you to my house and I, and I said this, you came in the door. Yeah, hey, Steve, glad you're here. Hey, man, go stand in the corner. When I need you, I'll let you know. 
So, you know, my family, we just kind of keep doing what we're doing. You know, we're watching TV, watching Alabama play, right? And, and so having fun and, and, and doing our thing. And then a few hours later, I go, you know what? Man, oh, yeah, Steve's over there. Um, hey, Steve. Hey, can you take the trash out? Take trash out. Sure. And then, I, you know, once again, he takes the trash out. He walks back in the door. Hey, go. What are you doing? Don't sit on the couch. Go back to that corner. Get over there. And then I go a little bit later, I say, you know what, um, hey, Steve, it's time to wash the dishes. Hey, Steve, go wash the dishes. We, we've already eaten, man, as a family. We ate as a family. We enjoyed it, man. It was some great food. Uh, I don't know, somebody came over to our house, and somebody made some really good food. <laughs> so it was really, really good. And we ate a great meal, and, and man, it was, that's on both of us. We are not, we are not cookers, okay, at all. So, good say, we, we are not good cookers. It's truth. So, so now, hey, Steve, Steve, you know, hey, whatever, come do the dishes. Steve gets done with the dishes, and I say, go back to the corner. And then I go, hey, hey, Steve, hey, look, man, hey, you've been sitting there for days. Hey, man, it's Saturday. Man, Saturday's a great day to cut the grass. Go get the grass, huh? He goes and cuts the grass, and then, I, then later, you know, hey, it's, it's Monday. Hey, man, the kids made a mess. Hey, can you get in here and clean this up? Now watch this. Isn't it so funny that it's so easy to do that to the Holy Spirit? Now, now listen, that, that, is, that is not communion. That is not traveling together. That is not doing life together. That's, that's having someone there at your service and your beck and call. That's not who the Holy Spirit is. Are you all with me? That literally is it's this. Hey, Steve, why don't you come in? Man, so, come on, Steve. Man, we're so glad you're here, man. So good to see you. Hey, man, listen. Jen cooked a great meal. Come on. We're going to sit down. Sit down, man. We're going to eat together as a family. We eat together as a family. Say, hey, man, we're going to go watch the ball game. Let's go watch the ball game. Hey, we're going to go to church. Let's go to church. Are y'all following me? Hey, run the store with me. That's the way it's doing life together. To understand that it, it almost brings clarity to what Paul talked about in Ephesians. We talked about praying continuously. The reason you can play continuously is because they were just traveling together. It was a conversation going. Are y'all following me? And not just, you know, hey, uh, well, my devotion time is like, uh, it's like 6.15 in the morning, and it lasts about 15 minutes, so I'll see you tomorrow, all right? Amen. <laughs> yes, but, but once again, it's, it's, a, it's a continual flow throughout the day of just communicating with him. In fact, let, let me say this. I, there, I, I mentioned this Wednesday night, but there's a guy named Smith Wigglesworth. He made this, this comment. They said, Smith, how, how, uh, how long do you pray? And Smith said, um, well, I never pray longer than 30 minutes, but I never go 30 minutes without praying. Because once again, it's a continual interaction, continual flow of traveling together, doing life together, okay? Am I making sense? Give that man a hand. He did awesome. So to kind, of get, to kind of get this word picture here, when we look at the Greek word for communion, uh, we also find two other important meanings. It's this. The first one is the word fellowship. Somebody say fellowship. It means this, a close association or an intimate bond. So part of this today is going, okay, you know, how aware am I of the Holy Spirit as I go throughout my day? How much of an intimate bond? And I'm not, I'm not saying that to beat anybody up. I'm trying to let you know the invitation that we've been given. Okay, so it's this thing of this intimate bond. We're supposed to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And the second part there is this. The second meaning is the word partnership. 
partnership. It means to do business or work together for the same purpose. To do business or work together for the same purpose. Let's have fun for a minute. Austin, come here. I'll pull this out of the hat. Here we go. So let's say, I want to focus on that partnership part real quick. Come on, man. Come on. So, so let, let's say, let's say Austin and I, we're, we're, we're at work, right? We're at work. The boss comes in and the boss says, hey, fellas, um, I need you guys to go down to Rockland. And I need you to go down to whatever, Lindsay Street. And I need you to do blah, 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 blah. You're going to need to load the truck. You need to go get down there and you need to go to work. I say, awesome. He stands up. Austin does. He goes, hey, do you want to help me load the truck? Say it so you hear you. Say it like you mean it. You want to help me load the truck? No, I'm good, man. You got it. <laughs> so I watch, and Austin goes and go, Austin, and and he lo- he's loading the truck. Load the truck, Austin. Load the truck. Don't touch my Bible. Lo- <laughs> so he's loading the truck, and I'm watching, and th- then he lets me know when the truck the truck's done. He says, "Hey, hey, Q, the truck's loaded." Say, you ready to go? I guess, man, we'll go. So I get him and I go, and I get over here, and of course he's all sweating because it's like really hot here, right? And he's all hot, and, and he goes, he goes, hey, do you want to drive? You want to drive? He said, I just load the truck. Can you drive? Just load the truck. Please drive, please, please. No, I'm good, man. You got it. So we get in the truck. Oh, we get in the truck. That's a big old truck. Let me just get over. All right, here we go. So we're driving down the road. Do you have your license yet? Uh, almost. Almost. All right. <laughs> so I'm kind of I'm kind of sleeping, whatever. At least we got a whatever a senior citizen here with him. All right. Anyway, so so we get there and then we stop. We stop and then he says, uh, "Hey, man, uh, you want to help me unload the truck?" You want to help me unload the truck? No, man. I'm hungry. I think I'm gonna eat my sandwich. You go ahead and do it. So I'm eating my sandwich, and he's unloading the truck. <laughs> I just want to let him keep doing that because it looks so funny. <laughs> so, so he gets he gets done unloading the truck. Say, hey man, the tools are out. You ready to work? No man, I sleep too well last night. Man, you got it. I, I, I got. Go ahead. Work. <laughs> work. So he's so he's working. I don't know what we're working on. <laughs> so, all right. So, Lily, let me ask you this: How would you like to have me as a work partner? I wouldn't like it at all. Why not? Boring I'm boring. <laughs> That's a teenager response. All right. I'm not doing anything, am I? Now, now watch this. How many of you guys, by a show of hands, would love to have a partner like me? <laughs> watch this. Then why do we do the same thing to the Holy Spirit? Now, you got it. I'm tired. I don't feel like praying. I know, I know you put that person on my heart. I know we need to pray for their soul. I'm tired. I, I stayed up way too late last night. Man, I fast. I'm I'm hungry. What do you mean? Pray for the region. I, I want to eat. 
Are, are y'all following me? What do you mean uh, go serve in the church? I, I, I got to be there early if I do that. Are y'all following me today? Y'all give Austin a hand. Amazing. Watch this. So, it's a super, super simple. Okay, we're just having fun here. But watch, it's, it's the fact that when it comes to communion, these two words of fellowship and partnership, they come, they flow together. That's out of a natural fellowship with the Father or with the Holy Spirit, out of that natural fellowship with Him, we get to partner, we get to do life together, and we get to do awesome things for the kingdom. Am I making sense to you guys? Let me give you, let me give you an example. In Acts chapter 8, we see a guy named Philip. And you, you can read this sometime, but uh, it's too much for us to go over today, but it, for time's sake. But in Acts 8, Philip has been, basically, they've left Jerusalem, and he's went to the city, and he is preaching the gospel, and, and people are uh, not only hearing the gospel, they're receiving Jesus, and not only they're receiving Jesus, but, but miracles are happening. Literally, the Bible says that signs and wonders are happening. And, and they're happening so much to the point that there's this guy that was basically into witchcraft, and his name's uh, Simon the Sorcerer, that he ends up basically coming and he starts watching all these miracles that's happening in Philip's ministry. And, and he says, you know what, uh, man, I see that God is real. I see that there's one more powerful than me here. And the Bible says that all everybody in the town just bowed down and thought he was just the man until Philip showed up talking about Jesus. Anyway, so it says that even that guy got saved. So it's almost like if you imagine in, in a community, the one guy that you said that will never get saved, that guy got saved. So is that kind of what we would call in the church revival happening in this community in the middle of all of that from his position of communion with the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit speaks to him and says, hey, I need you to go down here to Gaza. And he and he watch this, that he had such a communion, such a fellowship and a partnership with the Holy Spirit that he could walk away from all of that. And there's not many people I've met that could. Are you with me? To go, man, we're having success here. He, he goes away and he's walking down the road and God just tells him to go. He's just walking down the road and he sees his chariot coming by. And once again, because of that position of communion, the Holy Spirit speaks to him and says, go overtake that chariot. I love the, the, the aggressiveness of the Holy Ghost language there. He said, go overtake it. And it doesn't say that he strolled over like he's cool. You know, it, it says that he ran to the chariot. And uh, that shows you what kind of obedience was in his heart. And, and he got there, and what's happening? There's this eunuch there, sitting there, and he uh, went to Jerusalem worship. He's coming back, and he's reading Isaiah 53. And powerful, obviously, it's all about Jesus' crucifixion. And uh, Philip goes, hey, do you know what you're reading? He goes, how can I unless somebody explains it to me? And then he goes, I think I can help you. He goes, why don't you come up, hop up here in the chariot with me? Comes up in the chariot and he reads it and he goes, who is that? It's like that. Once again, that I'm glad you asked moment. Right. And, and he begins to tell him about Jesus. And as they go, he says, there's some water. Right. And he goes, what keeps me from being baptized? He said, do you believe? Absolutely. I believe you. God makes Jesus his Lord. They get out. He baptizes him to come up. What happens to Philip? He's translated and he goes elsewhere. And it says that he keeps preaching the gospel. He just kept doing what he was doing. Why? Because there was a natural communion of fellowship and partnership happening in his life. He just didn't stop. He just went wherever God wanted him to go. Are you with me? Let me give you another example. 
If you go two more chapters and you look at uh, Acts chapter 10, uh, there's a guy named Cornelius who feared God, but he didn't know God. And he wanted to he wanted to serve God. He was a Roman centurion and, and he wanted to uh, live for God. He wanted to know God. And as he's as he was kind of, uh, you know, offering up alms one day, he was he was giving an angel appears to him and says, hey, you need to. Uh, basically, your alms have coming up for the Lord. In other words, the Lord sees you're seeking. I'll just say it that way. And he goes, hey, you need to ask for uh, Simon, who's staying at the Simon the Tanner's house. Come up, Peter. He goes, you need to send somebody to him. So he basically comes out of the, the encounter with God. And then he says, hey, you boys need to go to this house. You need to ask if Peter's there. Because uh, basically an angel said that he would tell me the truth. He would tell me what I was seeking for. So guys go. And, and as they are getting to the house... Peter himself is having a vision with the Lord because at this point, uh, what happens is, is he as a Jewish man didn't have any interaction with Gentiles, right? And so he's sitting there and we know that the, 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 uh, cloth comes down or the sheet comes down with all the animals and, and, you know, God speaks that thing to him that every hunter likes. He said, kill and eat. Right. And so so he said that. But the whole purpose of him showing that was saying, look, is Gentiles can be touched by me, too. He said, don't call anything unclean. Right. Trying to speed it up here. So anyway, so basically Peter comes out of the trance. That's the word that the Bible uses that he comes out of the trance and they say, hey, someone's here waiting on you. They want to they want to meet with you. So he comes down. Long story short, the next day they travel to Cornelius's house. What happens? He comes in. He begins to tell them about the gospel. They all get not only him, but the whole family and all his friends get saved. Good day. Right. So so watch this, though. Here's. Here's what's so cool about partnering with the Holy Spirit is because God knows how to send a prepared vessel like a Philip, like a Peter to a prepared heart. Do you understand that? That God sends a prepared vessel to a prepared heart and only God knows the right timing for such a circumstance. Isn't that so cool? Watch this. Let me give you an example. I remember uh, 21 years old. I was in Hamilton, Alabama, and I was in the middle of middle of worship, right? Middle of worship, and I was actually in the in the back uh, back right side of the sanctuary, and I was worshiping. In the middle of worship, I heard the Lord say, "Go out in the parking lot." What are you talking about? Go in the parking lot. You, you think I'm having this spiritual moment here, and you want me to go to the parking lot? I heard again, knew knew it was the Lord. I said, "Okay, I'll go. I don't know why I'm going, but I'll go to the parking lot." Never. I'm 20 years. I've never done never done it since. Never did before, never done since. Anyway, so I walk out in the parking lot, and there was a group of teenagers. You know, there's a bunch of trucks over there, about 80 yards away. And the Lord was like, go over there. Okay. So I walk out there, and I, and I go, and I walk up straight to this one guy. I don't know. You just kind of, okay, who, who are you pointing out here, God? And I walk straight up to the guy, and it was so funny. He and I started having, uh, it's like I was talking like three or four, but then I, it was just like, really, that's the one the Lord shined his light on. So I started talking to the guy, and everybody else just kind of got in the car and left. And it was me and this one poor fella, right? And so in the middle of our conversation, the Lord speaks to him again and tells me that he has a call to ministry on his life. And so I asked him, I said, hey, um, whatever his name was, I can't remember now. Have you ever felt like you were called to be a, to be a minister of the gospel? He said, yes, and he told me when. And then I said, man, why don't you come in the church with me, man? Let's go get right with God, dude. And so we walk back in, and watch this. He ends up at the altar, gives his life to Jesus. I, if I remember correctly, there was a woman that went over to him, and they were having like a little cry fest going on, right? And at the end of the service, I found out that that lady was his mama. 
and that in the service she was praying for him to get his, get his heart right and get right with Jesus. And in the middle of that, God sent me to go to the parking lot, this fellowship, partnership, bring him back in, and the guy got right with God. That's a good day, right? Watch this. I, I remember another time talking about years ago we did, we used to do street evangelism in downtown Birmingham. And there's a place called Five Point South, and it's basically where, where everybody parties and does their thing. And so anyways, we would go there Saturday nights, and then there was a few of us who would go back Sunday mornings to pick up homeless people and bring them to church. Because it was kind of like a two-sided ministry. We ministered to these people that were coming out of all these bars and stuff like that. But then we would also minister to uh, the homeless people that were there. Saw God do some really awesome things. Anyways, I remember one Sunday morning we went out there. And I'm sitting there and I see this man that's uh, sitting on a uh, picnic table. He's sitting on the top of a picnic table. And I just go talk to him. All right. So I walk over there to him. It's so funny. I ask him, I said, sir, and I asked him something about Jesus. And the man turns to me and looks at me like, are you stupid? And then he goes like this and he's holding a gospel track and he's crying. And basically what he just read it was kind of like that Philip moment. He just read it, and he was like, I want this, but I don't know how to get it. And just so happened at that moment, boom, we're there. Okay, let's get saved. Easiest, easiest, I've, easiest moment I've ever had to lead someone to Jesus. But once again, that's from a position of fellowship and partnership with the Holy Spirit. It's about communing with him. So let me kind of maybe give you... A thought here of how do you commune or how do you have communion with the Holy Spirit? It's really pretty simple. Good morning, Holy Spirit. I'm excited to be with you today. What do you want to do? I'm so looking forward to whatever you want to do today. I am ready. And, and it's just with that, with that uh, cognitive recognition that you know he is there. You don't have to make it some hooky pooky Crazy thing, okay? It's just really simple that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and where you go, he goes. And when you go, guess what? You get to do really awesome things for the kingdom. You know, like that woman on the airplane like I told you about the other day? It's that of just being there, ministering to someone, it's praying for someone. I can't tell you how many people that have been out and about and just went, hey, you may pray for you, and Jesus has healed them. It's not me. I'm just getting to, I'm just getting to go along for the ride because I'm doing life with the Holy Spirit. I'll follow how many people that we've, you, you know, I'm amazed at this, and I don't say this to make anybody feel bad, but I'm amazed at how many people have been in the kingdom for so many years and they've never led anyone to Jesus. And if you, but if we just partner with Him, we'll get all those opportunities. We'll, we'll get them, Amen. Because the bottom line is, is, is look, it, it go back to that Cornelius example. There's people out there that are warning Him. But they don't know how to find him, and they're just longing for the reality of the gospel. They want to know, God, are you real? That there's people out there praying, God, if you're really real, show me. Right. And then we're walking along, and we go, hey, tell that person. At that moment, guess what? It is scary to go, okay, I don't know that person from Adam, and I'm going to go tell them about Jesus. But you don't know. Listen, I, I learned a long, long, long time ago that the Lord will never send me to a place that he hasn't already prepared. He just won't, okay? It's been those times where my own boldness and fire where I went and tried to kick in the door when I've done more damage for the kingdom, okay? But it's been the parts where I've been in fellowship and praying and in the word and worshiping and walking with the Lord that it's in those moments when I hear the, that still small voice leading me a certain way. When I respond, Jesus moves, and it's so easy. 
Are you all with me? So it's kind of like this, and I've told you this story before, but, I, but, it, but it keeps coming, so I'm going to say it. When me and this guy were, were dating, and once again, uh, you've heard this before, but hear it from this perspective. We were driving from Lafayette, Louisiana, and I was going home to my mom's up in Birmingham, where she lived at the time. And as I told you before, anyways, we're, it was like 11 o'clock at night. I was really, really ready just to get home, okay? And so I'm going, and there's this car sitting beside the road, and the guy has the door open, and he's flashing his lights, waving his hand at me. 11 o'clock at night, right? And literally, there's no way on the road that me and that joker, okay? And so, uh, but, I, but I don't, I mean, I literally passed him, and I, and I turned into the parking lot of the liquor store that was right there, and I said, uh, Jim's like, what are you doing? I, I, just, I just felt, it was almost like, I don't know if you've ever had those moments with God where it's like, what am I doing? But I'm turning off the road, and I'm going, okay, why are we doing this? And it's like my head and my body are not in agreement at all. And so I turn, and I go, and I pull behind this guy, and I get out of the car. And to be honest, inside of me, I'm a little scared because I don't, I don't, I don't know what that guy is. I mean, I've, I've encountered with some... I've, you know, we've encountered some people that are super high on drugs, super whatever, in those moments, been threatened to be killed several times, and, you know, all that fun stuff. You're like, okay, i got to walk in this situation again. So I get out the car, and the guy, he is, he is so drunk, it's unbelievable. And he's crying, and he's doing all this thing. And, he, and then in the middle of all of that, he, he just asked me, can you, can you get me some gas? I'm out of gas. And I end up going, I want to pray for you. Whatever, just and in my heart, once again, going, what are we doing, God? And I remember I just put my hand on his shoulder, kept my eyes open in case he swung. Right? The Bible says, watch and pray. So, so I'm watching the guy, and literally like that, he went sober. The power of God hit the dude. And he literally bends down, and he starts grabbing beer that's on the ground and beer in his car, and he's throwing it in the woods. I, I didn't talk to him about littering, but I just – anyway, so, so he's slinging on the woods. And, and I literally – I'm like, what is this guy doing? And he finally turns to me, and he says this. He said, basically, my girlfriend doesn't want to be with me anymore. And this guy's like 35 years old at the time. I'm in my early 20s. And he said, uh, basically, I decided to go get a case of beer I drank it, and I was going to go on Highway 70, uh, 79, and he said I was going to go as fast as I could, and I was going to find an 18-wheeler and hit it and kill myself. That was his plan. But he said, I, I filled up. I had a full tank of gas, and I ran out of gas. Jesus. Right? So anyway, so this guy is set on killing himself. He runs out of gas, and I'm wondering, why am I turning? It's because God has a plan and a purpose and a, a life for that guy that he was about to end, so God intervened. Amen? And so I prayed with him. Like I said, he went sober, prayed. He got right with God. Here's what happened. His mama was at home praying. Old Methodist lady. Praying, believing God that her son would quit being stupid, and he would get right. And then I love it. He goes, can you take me home to my mama's? I'm thinking, I'm trying to get to my mama's, dude, right? So whatever, get in the car, whatever. I took him home to his mom's. But once again, that's just examples of going, that's partnering with the Holy Spirit. And that's fun that he, that he allows you to be a part of the impossible. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Let's stand to our feet. Stand to our feet.
Rachel, you can go ahead and come up, please. So listen, the, the, the goal of today or the kind of the, the heart behind today is really, it's just this. It's to, it's just that this truth would come off of that page and it would land in our hearts and Jesus would really have his way in us and that we would begin to uh, actively partner with the Holy Spirit and do life with the Holy Spirit, that we would begin to uh, make room for him uh, on a conscious basis and not just go to him when we need something, you know, not like, like you know, obviously I was being silly a while ago with Steve. Obviously we're not asking the Holy Spirit to do the dishes and cut the grass and all that stuff. But it's just in the thing that is so often we, we really just acknowledge him when we need something. And, it, and it's going away from just being in those moments when we need something from him to just going, man, I just want to do life with you. And I think that's the, the side of going, man, he is our best friend. Amen. So what I want to do today is I just want us to um, just simply pray. And if you don't mind. Just lift our hands. Pastor, why do I need to lift my hands? Because really it's for me just going, you're looking for a spot if you're going, hey, I just want to be in agreement with that. So, so that's really it. It's just, you know what, Lord, I, I, and really it's a position of uh, surrender. It's a position of obedience. Because really the, if we get down to it, one of the greatest things that keeps us from doing this is our pride. It's really where we think that we got it, we can do it, we can live life on our own. At the end of the day, man, listen, be reminded what Jesus said. He said that I can do nothing without the Father. And if Jesus himself, who is God in the flesh, says I can do nothing, how much more are you and I? How much more, right? But, but it's this awesome thing, if you can get the vision of this, that when you really just say, uh, Holy Spirit, I want to do life with you, man, it's going to make your business better. It's going to make your family better, your life better. It's going to change everything because what happens is, is all that he brings to the table, I promise you, he's a much better partner than you. Guess what? He brings all of that to the table and it just, it just flows. Amen? So let's just lift our hands. Let's just believe God for just, uh, just refocus today. And uh, just determine our hearts that, God, we want to do life with you. In fact, let's just say that. Say, Holy Spirit. I'm going to say, Holy Spirit. I want to do life with you. Teach me how to have communion with you. Teach me how to fellowship in an intimate way with you. Teach me how to partner with you with what you want to do. In this earth, in this season. So, Lord, today with our hands lifted up, God, that's really our prayer. It's so simple. It's this Holy Spirit, I've just personally have found through the years that when I simply just ask for you to help me with something, because you are the helper, you come alongside of us, that you're there to be an aid, to be an encourager. God, that you help us do what we're praying for. And so, Lord, we're asking you today, God, just with open hearts, that, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to have communion with you, that you would help us to fellowship with you, to partner with you. And, Lord, we just thank you, God, how rewarding that is going to be. God, how awesome it will be to just to be just a vessel where your presence and your power and your spirit flows through. God, to bring life, God, to every person we meet. So, Holy Spirit, today, give us ears to hear. God, tune our ears in uh, greater than they've ever been. God, let them be more sensitive. 
God, than they've ever been. God, let us hear your voice with greater clarity than we've ever heard it. Let our hearts be sensitive. Literally, where we know if you say, go to the left, we go to the left. If you say, go to the right, we'll go to the right. If you say, talk to that person, we'll talk to that person. God, that you'll help us today just to be sensitive to you, God. So give us your eyes to see. Give us your your ears to hear. Give us your heart to feel that we would care for people the way you care for them. So, Lord, thank you today for doing a work that only you can do in our hearts. Holy Spirit, that's part of what you do. You guide us into all truth. So lead us into this revelation and to this truth in a new and a fresh way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Listen, before we, before we uh, receive communion today, I want to just lay out there an, an opportunity. If you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, if you never asked him to be your Savior, and today you want to say, you know what, I've I got to get right with God. Man, I've been running, I've been doing my own thing, but, but I, I need to get right with Him. If that's you today, lift your, lift your hands, please. Just say, I need to get right with Him. Come on, if you're away from Him. I'm going to give you five seconds. So, Father, with the people that their hands up today, Lord, just those individuals, God, I pray for encouragement over their lives today. Lord, and I pray for just that they would have the courage to do already what you're telling them to do. Lord, that they would have the courage to obey what you're already whispering in their ear. And, Lord, just the, uh, the changes that they need to make, Lord, that they would make it by the help of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.